0: Hey, everybody. Before this episode begins, I just want to let you know that Maria and I will be at RSA Conference 2023. So we will see you in April in San Francisco during the big show. We'll be having a party at FANG the Sunday before. Tickets are available on our website, cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com. And we'll be having a meetup and networking event at the Marriott Marquis on that Monday. So please visit CybersecurityMarketingSociety.com to learn more information about all the things we're doing at RSA Conference 2023, and hope to see you there. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing Podcast, where we explore the
1: hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer.
0: Welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. Today we have another episode that will be more sweet than the regular episode because it took us so long to schedule it. (laughs) So today we have Brandon Ho, and we are so excited to have him on. He is the VP of Marketing at Oxi, and he's held CMO and Head of Marketing positions at multiple cybersecurity companies, including Scythe, HackEDU, StrongKey. He was a CEO in the past. He's a really experienced guy. And we're so excited to have you on today.
2: It's my absolute pleasure to be here.
0: Finally.
2: (laughs) Yes, I know it's taken months. We've kicked this along multiple times, I know, for various reasons. So I apologize for that.
0: No, I mean, a lot of it was probably on us as well. (laughs) So we're busy. We're all busy people here coordinating, like, multiple jobs, like, family stuff. So it's totally fine. And... We're just happy that this was able to happen.
2: Let's make it an open ended conversation. Then I don't think we need to focus on any particular topic. Maybe you can start by asking something that's controversial and then we can talk about that.
1: <laughs> <gasps> we love bringing controversy here. We need to just open the doors to that brain of yours and let's start picking because I bet our listeners are going to learn so
0: much from this episode. Yeah. Who did you vote for? No, I'm sorry. Um, Let's do
2: <laughs> what? In which election? <laughs>
0: Okay, so controversial topic in marketing. Is there any near and dear thing in your heart, Brandon, that you like feel really strongly about that maybe goes against the mainstream? Maybe we could have a fight about it on air.
2: Yeah, there is one thing that definitely stands out, and it's this whole idea that demand generation as a as a marketing how should I put it? Discipline is the key to to future to all success. Yes. And it's like when I look at all the things that practitioners or advocates of modern day demand generation or I guess the refined labs slash Chris Walker school of thought goes, it's really stuff that's fundamental to marketing. It has been foundational to marketing for many, many years. Forever, in fact. It's just that, you know, the evolution in terms of how people become aware of products, where they get information from what they rely on and trust has changed a lot i've heard a lot of like calls for like oh the funnel is dead blah 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 but the funnel's still there it's the timelines associated with each step how you i guess access the people each step of the funnel are pretty much you know are different very different today but the funnel's not dead i mean if you i'd be happy to break it down and draw pictures and show make a i guess a logical argument for why the funnel will never die
1: Isn't it funny with what you said about demand gen being the savior? I see that a lot in companies where nothing is working, sales is not doing their job, they're not following up with leads, marketing needs more resources, more budget, of course not hitting revenue quota, so hey, let's just bring on a demand gen wizard that's going to do a swish, swish, swish and uh, fix all of our problems.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. And the environment is way more challenging for, for everyone involved in the startup world and especially in the cybersecurity world. I, Richard Steenen, who used to be an analyst at Gartner and who has IT Harvest and who publishes the security yearbook every year or has published the security yearbook for the last few years. I think he's he's counted something like somewhere around 3,500 cybersecurity companies worldwide. And many of them are trying to solve for the same problem. I mean, the number of opportunities for these businesses are just not enough to sustain all of them. So some will, will die you know, a natural death and hopefully the better products will, will live on and thrive. But I believe in the power of marketing and I think fundamentally it, good marketers can make or break a company regardless of whether the product is great or not. It's hard. The environment is very hard. It's even harder now, of course, especially you know in a startup where access to capital is tighter than ever. Everyone's you know it's way safer to just invest your money in a savings account and get whatever four five percent return than to put something your money into a risky investment. So I feel for marketers. I'm a I'm in that situation myself, and the battle is real. But I understand also that there is no quick fix marketing is a long game. And anyone who thinks otherwise, if, and this is advice to any marketer out there who is thinking about joining a new company, if the talk to the CEO, if the CEO doesn't want to be involved in marketing, or doesn't care about marketing, or doesn't see marketing as a as a longer term strategic play, then it's likely not a place where you want to be because you're going to be very unhappy at the very least, and probably miserable Mm -hmm. (laughs) at worst.
0: Yeah, it's tough out there right now. I mean, the markets are down. This is being recorded in like early March of 2022. Markets are down and yet-
2: 23.
0: Oh boy. <laughs> wow. We may Don't. have
2: originally scheduled this for March 2022.
0: <laughs> oh, I think we did. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's been so a long it time.
0: Is, it's been a long time. So it's 2023, like markets are down. VC pockets are a little tighter. And like you said, you know, we have a target- TAM of X amount of enterprise customers in the world or X amount of other customers, you know, MME customers that buy, you know, this type of security product because they whatever, right. They integrate with lots of third parties or they do business here or they are regulated in some way and therefore we could solve their problem. Well, there is a million other, not a million, there's 3,500 other security companies going after these folks at any given point in time with their own message or the same message. So, It's just tough. I mean, it's a tough industry. I think it's, uh, I'm not complaining. I think it's a great industry to be in for us marketers.
2: Very exciting.
0: Exciting. And cool
2: people too. Weird, cool and weird people. (laughs) That's what I love about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And what you said, Brandon, about there being a natural, like, you know, some of our companies won't make it and that's sad, but there will be new ones because cybersecurity is moving at the speed of, at the speed, oh gosh, I almost said the speed of business at the speed of the attacker yeah the speed of the attacker and there's more regulations coming out did you guys see the fedgov um what was just released this morning yesterday
2: i think yeah i think they published it late yesterday but it's dated march 1st but they probably released it this morning so i just skimmed it
0: me too i was hoping one of you had read it and we could talk about it
2: <laughs> how many pages long is it like several tens of pages i'm not going to read it <laughs> <laughs>
0: So what else is new in your life? You're at a seed stage company now. How's that like unique or different?
2: or? It's very different in the sense that I'm working for an Israeli startup. And it's the first one that I've worked for personally. Very interestingly, during my interview process, there is a consultant who serves as, I guess, a fractional VP of HR at the company. And among the first questions she asked me was, Things that she told me were there are a few things you really need to be aware of in this role. I asked her what were they, and one of the things that she cited was if you've never worked for an Israeli company or with Israelis before, it's going to be a very interesting experience. And not everyone, in fact, I think she said something along the lines of most people find it challenging to work with them because they're so they're very direct. There's no sugarcoating stuff. There's no They do this. They don't do
1: this. For those of you listening and didn't see what Brandon
2: just did. There's no reaching around to scratch your nose. You just scratch your nose directly. (laughs) So I was born and raised in Malaysia. Most people don't know this, but I, I spent the first 21 years of my life there. And I don't know if it's because of that environment or if it was just my home environment where people were just, my family was just blunt something I really enjoy, actually. <laughs> and I think it's more efficient. And for me, at least, it's easier to get stuff done if I know exactly what it is that I need to focus on and what needs to be fixed.
1: So you were born for it. You were born for this role. You were ready.
2: I guess you could say that. I mean, it's easy to say that in retrospect, I guess. But you know, <laughs> one of the cool things that has come about as a result of working for an Israeli company is that I've had a chance to go to Israel a couple of times now. And growing up in Malaysia... There were two countries originally that we were not allowed to go to, and one of them was Israel. And I believe that that's still true unless you're doing a religious pilgrimage. You know, the idea of ever visiting Jerusalem and seeing the Holy Land, if you will. I grew up Catholic. It was never a consideration for me. So I've been there twice now. I've been to Jerusalem and seen firsthand all of the things that I read about in Sunday school.
0: Oh, that's amazing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, history brought to life It was quite an experience.
0: See what getting into cybersecurity marketing exactly. can do for yep. you, listening audience.
1: Full circle of life.
0: <laughs> Travel to far-flung places, experience holy sites. Yeah,
2: all of it. And meeting some amazing people. I, I love the people I work with. The Israelis refer to themselves as Sabra. It's a, I guess it's like the... Prickly pear cactus, or something like that. Oh,
1: yeah. Sabra. That's an Arabic yeah, yeah, yeah. word. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is
2: an Arabic word. Yeah. But the idea there is that you know, they're very prickly on the outside, but like soft and sweet on the inside, which has been my experience with them.
0: That's an interesting analogy. That's so cool. <laughs> I assume it's a. And I've worked at Israeli startups too now. But Israeli developed and originally headquartered startup. I think conflict resolution is more efficient. That way, because you could lay out your thing on the table as opposed to the very American like smile and grin and think in your head, God, I hate this person so much and I hate what they're doing and I have to do politics, you know, and politicking. There's still some of that, but there's less of that for sure.
2: I can only speak from my experience and it's, it jives with who I am. So. (laughs)
0: With so much buzz in cybersecurity, we know how important it is to cut through the noise. Take it from our friends at Hacker Valley Media. With over 50,000 listeners from all over the world, they have mastered the art of standing out among the crowd. Boost your company's message by partnering with them on podcast sponsorships, live podcasts, and events. Check them out at HackerValley.com and tell them Maria and Gianna sent you. Again, that's HackerValley.com. And now a word from our sponsor, Hushly. Hushly is the first all-in-one buyer experience and conversion cloud. Hushly takes critical marketing products that need to work together as a single solution and brings them into one unified platform. With Hushly, cybersecurity marketers gain efficiencies, productivity, and scale while offering rich, personalized, and connected digital experiences to their prospects and customers. If you're looking to be more efficient and make account and contact level personalization a core part of your demand generation, ABM, and content marketing efforts, then take a look at Hushly. That's Hushly with no E, H-U-S-H-L-Y.com. And thanks Hushly for sponsoring our party at RSA Conference 2023. See you all there
1: what are some advice you can give other marketers considering joining an israeli startup primarily at the seed stage like here are some things that you will see here are some things that you should avoid from a marketer perspective like growth and
2: building i want to try to avoid generalizations because it's really easy to lump everyone together under the same umbrella but all i will say is at a seed stage company if you are an early marketing hire you can expect to do everything that needs to be done. So I'm the VP of marketing in title, but the reality is I am doing everything myself. I have the support of an agency and a PR person, a decent budget. It's not huge, but it's decent. And the reality is I am involved in everything from writing the copy and designing the information architecture for the website our upcoming website, not the one that's there right now, which really needs a revamp. I am responsible for product marketing, writing a data sheet, solutions brief. I host our webinars and serve as moderator. I oversee our PR efforts and make sure that we are out there. I'm responsible for event marketing, buying swag, helping to plan stuff, and doing like the more strategic stuff, which is like positioning, messaging, how we, you know, giving the company a a more human voice, and it's everything. And I love it so much. I ran my own marketing agency for close to 11 years. I did everything that I have to do today when I ran an agency and did it for different clients at different times, you know, and it wasn't as if I was doing everything all at once for any particular single client, but my range of experiences was broad enough that it allows me to go into a role like this and and I guess do pretty okay. And I really enjoy jumping from one thing to another. The challenge is that because things are constantly shifting in terms of priorities on a day-to-day basis, you never get a chance to really, really sit down and think things through properly. And I think that's really important when you are doing marketing Everyone talks about you know the strategy and all that and then translating it into tactics and then executing. But there's no time for this linear progression of stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You're doing all of it at once, and you're like trying to stagger these things in whenever you can fit them in,
1: yeah. I hear a lot of people say, "You know, pick one channel, get really good at it, and then move on to the next channel and a lot of times that's impossible, right?
2: your runway would have gone by then. (laughs) You would have run out of money. You cannot afford to do that at a seed stage company. So when I worked at HackyD, it wasn't necessarily a seed stage company because it was bootstrapped when I joined. So in a way, the experience there was very similar, except that I think from the company was a little older. It was a little bit further along. Same thing, though. You have very limited resources. I was the only marketing person up until the company got acquired. And you just have to figure it out as you go along. (laughs)
0: It's volume of activity, you know, and it's so true because they're looking for a VP. They're looking for the first marketer. They're looking for someone who does know strategy because otherwise you'll just be like posting TikToks and not understanding anything, right? <laughs> Which
2: I've done, by the way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they aren't someone to do strategy to know how marketing operates in an ecosystem that has experience in every field of marketing so they could touch every piece. But You also have to do everything. You have to do everything. And that's like the crux of the early stage leadership position. It's that, yes, you were strategy in that you like wrote down a statement, you know, like our positioning really fast and like spent two hours on a Friday night at 8 p.m. building out a product marketing doc before on Monday having to start doing events and ads and everything else. But it's so tough to balance. and you're kind of really expected to just go full throttle and you don't have enough time for that strategy position. And it's just the nature of the role.
2: Yeah, I force myself almost every week to try to take a step back to see if what I did in the previous week actually aligns with like, I don't want to say the plan because the plan is like, it feels like it's a very narrow thing that you need to adhere to. I'm saying the general lane of the direction that you are headed in. And I have to make sure that if it's too far off course that we need to pull it back in. And that's hard because when you're stuck one of my favorite YouTubers is this guy named Colin Furzy. He's this English guy. He makes all sorts of crazy stuff, like crazy uh, vehicles and stuff like that. But one of his projects over the last, I'd say like three years, was first he built an underground bunker in his backyard. And you wouldn't know it from, just from the surface. You, you would have no idea whatsoever. It just looks like a backyard, but there's a bunker underneath. And then he built tunnels from his shed where his garage, like his workshop is, and then to his house and all that. I liken it to that. When you're digging, you have no idea which, you think you're going straight, but you're not really sure exactly where you're headed. You have to like step back and come out and look and check to see if you're going in the right direction or not. So that's what you have to do as a marketer. You have, one, you have to have some semblance of an idea of where you want to head. It's not going to be perfect because there's so many factors that are shifting continually, competitive factors, environmental, financial factors. Your customers, their needs may evolve and change. You as a company may evolve and change based on your leadership, your direction and all that. But you have to do this. You just have to check in occasionally and say, hey, is all the stuff that I'm doing putting us on the right path at least?
1: No, that was so deep. The reflection on that was like, wow.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you have to pop your head out of the hole every once in a while. and Just like, you know, lick the finger, put it up. Which way is the wind blowing? Am I going in the right direction? And then you go right back down to digging.
2: (laughs) I think one benefit of being old and having done this for a little bit of time is that as a young marketer myself, it was so easy to, I guess, kind of like jump on the bandwagon of the marketing thing du jour, whatever was popular at the time. And when I was doing it, and I'll go back to demand gen again, demand gen today is in many ways what content marketing was like 10 or 15 years ago, or large elements of demand gen today are very much the same. The tactics you employ, the media that you use, those have changed definitely. I mean, podcasts were not really a thing 10, 15 years ago. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: But the general idea has been the same. You get yourself in front of an audience who has no clue who you are. You try to establish some level of credibility with them. And then hopefully over a period of time, you feed them additional information, content that helps them develop trust in you and your ability to solve their problem. And then boom, you go in for the kill. (laughs) That hasn't changed. Going back to what I was saying, as a young marketer, it's very easy to say, oh, this is the hot thing. It's working for these companies, so it, it has to work for us too. But the reality is every single situation is different. Just because you're a B2B cybersecurity startup that has a SaaS-based product doesn't mean that you need to that you have to do a PLG motion because a company like snake is one of our competitors, is doing it. I'll use a phrase, like an old-fashioned phrase, horses for courses, which is you need to do what is best for you, as a company, based on a number of different factors. And I'll give you an example. When I was at Scythe, we had access to two of the employees. There were no, actually, more. Like there were three people who were extremely well known in the space. So we took advantage of the fact that we had access to these experts. One of them, in fact, Jake Williams. He, if you know about Stuxnet, he was on the American side of Stuxnet. So he was outed publicly by, I think it was like some Chinese hacker group, but he was very well known. So we took advantage of that. But fast forward to today and, you know, we have our leadership team is, they're good at what they do, but they don't have that kind of reputation. So I can't rely on that. I have to use other means to try to amplify what we're trying to do. So you really need to understand, I think, you know, every marketer they, who's starting out and trying to establish a presence in the market for uh, at an early stage, Sit down and take stock of what your assets are, if you will. And that could be lots of money, which is true for some startups, uh, less so now. It could be the reputation of your founders, their network. It could be your advisors, your VCs, the reputation of your VCs. You have to understand what you have available at your disposal before you do any kind of planning whatsoever. You want to try to leverage the assets that you have.
1: Yeah. Brandon, so I don't know if you have hiring plans or not immediately this year or even next year, but if you did, what will be your next two or three critical hires on your team?
2: I don't know yet. <laughs> we are not at a point where we can hire. This one's a bit funny because if I were to hire anyone at all, it would be an SDR. And that person would report to me because I, I would want to bring an SDR into the, the lead demand generation form. <laughs>
0: Look at that, (laughs) SDR, critical role.
2: I don't want to make that distinction. Yeah, I view marketing's role. First of all, the the distinction between marketing and sales has been blurring for a while. I think it's blurry, more blurry than ever. Companies are looking at hiring chief revenue officers where marketing and sales fall underneath, under one umbrella. My philosophy on marketing is there's no distinction. We are all in it to try to generate pipeline and to, to close sales, how do we approach the task of doing that? So long-winded way of saying that I don't know in terms of if you think of a traditional marketer, product, brand, content, whatever, dimension, I would say I, I don't know because a clear need for any particular person hasn't truly emerged yet.
1: That's true. Makes
2: sense. Mm-hmm. As soon as it does and we're you know far long enough to be able to warrant investment in an additional person, I will fight for it. Mm
0: -hmm. Exactly. It's what does the team need, right? When you're at a seed stage or really early, it's like we have X amount of headcount and it doesn't necessarily go towards like the brand comms person, unless
2: that's part of what you've determined is the most valuable next step. Yeah. I absolutely hate it when I see people say, this should be your first hire. That should be your next hire. I'm like, how the hell do you know?
1: I'm guilty of that. I always push (laughs) and say, marketing apps should be your first hire. That's what I always do. That's my go-to. So I'm definitely guilty of that one.
2: I'll put it in terms of, I guess, resource load, if you will. Mm. If I understand that, okay, I have this, 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 all these different things that I'm trying to fill or perform. Is that enough for any one of these things to hire someone? Okay, if not, then... Are there two things that are very close or closely related or similar enough that, and I'll say like content marketing and email marketing, for instance, it might be different somewhere else. Can I put those two things together and say, hey, okay, I'm going to hire this person because this would be more than enough or more enough for one person and then some. That is true. I'm not trying to diss you, Maria, sorry.
1: No, no, not at all. I mean, this is great. I learned so much from doing this podcast, honestly. There's just so much, so much we learn from having our guests on the show. And a lot of times we will have these moments where it's like, wow, this is definitely a self awareness type moment where let's reflect back into how we say things or what we say or what we recommend. Sometimes people come to us for advice and we learn, you know, better ways to give the advice or we learn that it's probably not the best advice and maybe reflect
0: back and learn a little bit more.
2: I This is just my opinion, you know, for whatever it's worth. I mean, it's one other person's opinion.
0: I think that RevOps person, Maria, when you've been recommending and when we, we've been saying like, hey, consider RevOps as maybe a first person because RevOps can handle, if you're hiring like a Mops person, they can handle all sorts of things. They can handle like website, they can handle like, uh, marketing automation, emails, life cycle stuff. And if your focus is demand, it could be a critical role. But yeah, like Brandon says, it's always like, it depends on the team. What if you're only selling via direct mail? What if marketing is a role is to just send pizza to prospects?
1: <laughs> I mean, hey, I'll take that job. No, M- yeah. no MQL quota, just pizza. I love it.
0: Yeah, just Domino's pizza. It has the tracker. You know, when it gets delivered, that's when people have to call. They have to say, did you get your pizza? Would you like to view a demo of our product? (laughs) While you eat your pizza?
2: (laughs) Dominoes for a demo? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's a good one. (laughs) If you don't view our demo, we're going to drive over and get the pizza. (laughs) You can have like one slice, but we're going to take the rest home. Going to have a pizza party.
2: Talking about pizza, what are your favorite flavors or toppings? And what is like an absolute (laughs) no-no? Oof.
1: For me, I have a story about that. Well, uh, I was telling you before we started recording, Brandon, that I'm originally from Morocco. And I don't know if a lot of people know that. But back home growing up, we ate pizza that was very different (laughs) than what pizza looks like here from a topic's perspective. Our go-to is always anchovies and black olives.
2: I'm a huge fan of anchovies, yeah.
1: Right? Even as kids, we ate anchovies, right? Like my kids now, I give them anchovies and they are like terrified and can't believe i eat that but then a lot of times it's anchovies black olives and tuna and that was always a, a really big favorite
2: is it like moroccan pizza like flat pizza or like
1: yeah like a regular round pizza. they just very different topics very yeah, different what, topics. what
2: about the crust though Is it very thin crust or?
1: It has to be crispy. There's no soggy slices and any of that. Like, I don't like that. My pizza slice needs to be self-sufficient.
0: So Chicago-style deep dish
2: is not your thing then? (laughs) No. (laughs) And you, Jana?
0: (laughs) I don't eat meat. It sounds good to put fish on pizza, but... So I'm like more limited. I don't like vegetables on pizza because usually it gets watery. Like, I don't think people do. True. Like, I don't think companies and businesses know how to make good vegetable pizza most of the time. I like cheese pizza and the sauce should be really flavorful.
2: All right. Pineapple. Yes or no?
0: Or No. Have a- <laughs> I tried pineapple on pizza. I was like, okay, you know, I don't know. That's my opinion. I'm sure, Brandon, maybe your next statement will be that you love pineapple.
2: We all have our own personal taste. I mean, there's, yeah. What's your favorite pizza? Mine? I don't have one. I like to make my own pizza. And I, late last year, I bought one of those uni pizza ovens, but I haven't actually used it yet because <laughs> it's been too cold.
0: Like a standalone oven? Like a tabletop or like a big? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It, it fits uh, like a six up to a 16-inch pizza. The one that I got was like the, I think it's the Coda and you can use either little like hardwood, small little pieces of, of wood, no, wood fire pizza, or you can use, I also bought the gas attachment because it's much easier <laughs> than trying to get wood burning. That's cool. And charcoal, I think you can use charcoal too, yeah. I haven't actually used it yet, but I'm looking forward to it.
0: Listeners, there'll be a link in the show notes to get your own pizza oven.
2: Oh, they I think they announced the new one today, but I, I, I don't know what it is yet. <gasps>
0: So much stuff happened today cybersecurity, government news, new pizza oven. This
2: podcast recording. I mean,
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're definitely, I keep looking at your green screen. Everybody that's listening, Brandon showed up with a green screen behind him. And we're definitely going to have to have a lot of fun with that.
2: This, I did it intentionally. Well, primarily because my office is a complete mess, but. It's also an open invitation to anyone who wants to do something fun in the background. So let's see what you have. And this is for Michael Yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, Yehoshua, (laughs) from the Cybersecurity Marketing Society, who's like the the champion meme poster. I challenge you, Michael, to make a meme about this and post it on the channel. (laughs)
0: Love it. Oh no, there might be a meme battle. Maria, is it time to play our game, you think? It sure is.
2: All right, what's this?
0: All right. So, Brandon, we are going to play a game where we guess if you were not in marketing and not in cybersecurity marketing and not like CMO, what would you be doing with your career? What would Brandon be doing if he could not be doing what he's doing today? And do you have any other
2: secret careers that we have to cross off the list? I have done a lot of things to make money in my lifetime, so...
0: Well, career, like, let's think like I was a teacher for 10 years would count or like something like that. Not like I, in high school I worked at, I sold ice cream or. Okay, Maria, you could go first.
1: Okay. Brendan, I don't know if it's the green screen that's giving me this vibe or not, but I could totally see you as like a movie director.
2: <gasps>
1: I see it. Right, like with those headphones, the green screen, and him like screaming at people. Like Cum. No,
0: not Cum. screaming. Gently telling Gently people. Screaming. Gently <laughs> screaming. I don't I'm know.
2: motivating people, yeah. Uh, all about you, Jenna? I'm curious to get your guess.
0: Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. This is me stalling. Brandon, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know you like to cook pizza. And to be that, you must be very creative. Not you must be creative, but people who cook are creative. Like Maria is very creative. Like maybe you would own a pizzeria, but it's on the top of a mountain. It's in like a cool tourist area. And then the pizza place, the store. Oh my God. So it's like a pizza store, but it's also like a Starbucks because you can come hang out and everybody gets to like chat and maybe there's like puzzles and stuff pizza shop owner cuz you seem to be like someone who could talk to people really
2: easy all right so i will tell maria that actually i've already done that <laughs> i already did
1: i didn't know i swear i did not look
2: when i ran my own agency i i wrote directed produced like a bunch of videos and i actually i spent 3 days driving along with an 18 wheeler truck driver so i could film and and produce a document a micro documentary about his life wow so I still love making videos, but I went so far as to be an extra on Captain America 3, just so I could be on set and see what a real Hollywood production was like. Yeah, my scene did not survive the final cut, unfortunately, but yeah, I I used to love, I still do. In fact, if it wasn't for this, I would maybe even after this, this whole cybersecurity marketing experience, I would love to, if money wasn't a huge, huge requirement, I I really want to make a YouTube channel. And I have in the past just to play around with, but I would, I would love to make one. Love that. And I also say, Jana, this is sort of a pseudo consolation. If money was not an issue, I would love to open a, not a pizza store, but a noodle shop. Ooh. <laughs> Where I could feed people like reasonably priced noodles that was just tasty. And I would just be open for lunch. And I wouldn't worry about trying to make lots of money because I, I was s- retired, if you will. Just like use it as a way to make people happy.
1: Love that. Love that. Please, can I get a lifetime membership to your noodle
0: shop? Let's just put it out there now. Yeah. The noodle shop funds the movie production house until the movie production house funds the noodle shop. Noodle shop. There you go. There you go. This, is
2: this virtuous cycle. Yeah.
0: See, you come to a podcast to
1: chat, you leave with a business and life strategy
2: (laughs) i don't know if i want to run another business after this i've run a couple i mean i i did the marketing agency thing and then somewhere in the middle i launched my own product on kickstarter and ran that for two or three years but
0: what product
2: it's weird because i actually have one here but i used to make this can't really see it properly but it's it was targeted at iphone owners who wanted to make movies on their iphone But it allows you to attach a lens like here and different accessories and stuff like that. So I did that for a little bit. I launched it on Kickstarter. That's cool. I probably broke even if I don't include my time, but it was just an itch I had to scratch. I I wanted to see if I, by myself, could launch a product company and sell it globally and try to make a somewhat decent business out of it. I underestimated how much capital I'd need and what resources I need. That's
1: awesome. Uh, I know what Gianna is going to say right now. She's going to pitch some sort of product just for <laughs> okay, our listeners. If you haven't figured that out about Gianna, she comes up with five to seven to 10 business ideas a day, which is actually what I love about her. But she does have a business idea she's been pitching to all of our guests
0: this week. Gianna, go for it. Brandon, would you like? <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because Marie's like hysterically laughing away from the mic. Brandon, would you like to get on the ground floor of a life-changing product geared towards the busy, stressed, work-from-home professional? Messy. Messy. The messy work-from-home professional. What is it? <laughs> it is desk fence. The fence for desks. Are you tired of putting stuff on your desk and having the other stuff fall off because you have too much stuff on your desk? Which happens to me. Well, if only there was some sort of fence attachment that you could put (laughs) around the edges of your desk that securely attached so that the items on in your desk, on top of your desk, would not fall off your desk. I am in. (laughs) And technically, if you have like, maybe like a guinea pig or something, you could also put it on the desk and then it'd be
2: in there the fenced go. area. You can use it for more than one purpose. I'm I'm definitely in. I don't know how much money I'll I'll invest in this, but I'm in. I like the idea.
0: How much do you think this idea is worth? <laughs>
2: Let's take this offline. <laughs>
1: yeah, let's. Uh, this is where I mute uh, Gianna's mic. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast today. <laughs> Brendan, seriously, thank you for joining us on the show. This was wonderful. We started off the episode not knowing where the conversation was going to go, but it's been wonderful we still hearing don't. your story <laughs> and getting your advice. Yeah, we don't know where it's going. <laughs> Yeah. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being on our show, Brandon. A new episode drops every Wednesday. If you're listening for the first time, don't forget to subscribe and give us as many stars as you can and see you next time. Thanks for listening.
2: Thank you so much.